Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Sexual intimacy is reserved only for the marriage relationship. By the way, it should be in the marriage relationship. Now that sounds strange, doesn't it? But you'll discover that Paul has to begin to speak about it because it isn't in many marriage relationships. It's non-existent. Paul says that's wrong. There are lots of activities that because of their misuse by people with the encouragement of Satan, some Christians have seen as sinful. For example, drinking alcohol has seemed to be sinful to some people, but a careful reading of the Bible finds that drunkenness is condemned, while drinking alcohol in moderation is not. Pastor Mark will be teaching today about another area of misunderstanding, sex. You'll discover that the early church had questions about sex. The Apostle Paul will be giving them some biblical guidance. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 with today's edition of Lessons for Living. I do want you to turn to Genesis 2 for a moment, because you have to see God's design. Now, as you're turning to Genesis 2, let me just remind you of one thing. Do not, when you begin to read these things, say, well, this is God's restrictive. He's against people. He's against fun. He's against fulfillment. Not at all. That's the way the enemy worked with Eve. Well, God's trying to keep you from having a great life. He said, you can't go to that one tree. That was foolishness. Now, let's look it down to verse 22. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out a man, and he brought her to man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. For this reason... Uh, and there's a lot of marriage things here that we can't get into. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united. I use when I teach on this called superglued to his wife. And they will become one flesh. If you've ever superglued anything, you become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked. And they were so embarrassed. Is that what it says? No, not at all. Well, now, who designed them naked? Why didn't God design Adam and Eve with clothes on to start? Because sexuality was perfectly pure and wonderful. So, you see this great gift of sex. We've already talked about it. But let me ask you to put this down. Because sometimes in our marriages, we miss the other part. It's not only good, but it's enjoyable 
And it's supposed to be fun. Could I hear an amen on fun? Some, somewhere out there. Okay, fun, fun. And Christianity, sometimes because of history, misses all this. God is the one that designed each of us. In this room, everybody listen to me. It's only two of us. A male, female. A man and a woman. And we have all the kids today and they go, well, we're going to have to live together because I have to see if we fit and it works. Let me tell you, it works. <laughs> it always works. You can relax. That's a foolishness from the enemy. So how does God look about sex? What does God think about sex? I don't have time and I don't want you to get off track because none of you remember anything I said. You can later go to Song of Solomon. And I mean, that's R-rated only for adults. But I threw one up for you in case you're a prude. You need to get over it. Here we go. <laughs> Proverbs 5, 18 and 19. This is God speaking through his word. May you rejoice in the wife of your youth. May her breasts satisfy you always. May you be ever captivated by her love. This is not from Hugh Hefner. This is from God. <laughs> is there any amens out there? Okay. So now come on back, forget all that, let's come back to what I was teaching, okay? For some of you, you can't forget it, come on back, come on back. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 13. So where is this to happen? Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, take a look. Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed, talking about not the bed, but the sexual union between a man and a woman, kept pure. For God will judge, now watch this, most people understand adultery, but they don't understand the second part. For God will judge the adulterer, in other words, if you're married and you have sex with somebody outside the marriage, you've committed adultery, and all the sexually immoral. There's back to that again. The marriage bed is basically sexual intercourse. In this one verse, God defines sexual sin before marriage and after marriage. It's right in front of us. For our own good, God did those boundaries. He set them because he knew man. Now, may I write this or say this to you? You don't need to copy it, but you need to understand it. Any intimate sexual activity outside of marriage is sinful and destructive. Notice, God won't bless adultery. He will not bless sexual immorality. In the long run, it hurts all of us. Sin is destructive. And so the sexually immoral basically is talking about before marriage, sexual intercourse, living together. Before marriage is a sin. It's simply a sin. Of course, homosexuality, lesbianism, bestiality, incest, uh, oral sex, uh, friends with benefits, hooking up, undressing, touching someone sexually, all of those things, sexual, all of those things before marriage, absolutely wrong absolutely a sin. Within marriage, lots of different things are allowed. But again, that has to be consensual between the husband and the wife. Now, people do not want to get married for one reason, because it requires a commitment. Agape love is a commitment. There's three kinds of love, as you know that. There's a sexual love that God put in us. There's this emotional love that God put in us. And he also put us in this commitment love. And that's why in this church, in many churches, we will not marry a believer and an unbeliever. Because it'll never work. Can two walk together unless they agree? It won't work. 
So we make sure both are believing. And of course, we have so many new people that come. They, don't, they understand adultery was wrong. They understood that, but they never knew because of our society that being together before marriage was a sin. So we have to be very kind, and we help them, and we give them hope, and we separate them and tell them, okay, here's how it is. Here's what the Bible says. Now, it's not bad for you. What you've done is done. Is, now let's get on the right path, and we'll help you. And we have many couples that go, okay, I want to do it God's way. Praise the Lord. Amen? Because that's a good thing. Now, couples that live together before marriage, we know there's all kinds of stuff with that. 50% greater chance of divorce. That was a 50-year study. more chance of divorce than those that don't live together. So what am I saying? Pretty simple. In our latest term, there's probably more with the young kids or whatever, but hooking up. What is hooking up? Hooking up was any kind of sexuality, doesn't matter what it was, and it was only a physical act. has nothing to do with anything else. That's wrong. It's simply wrong. So here's the next thing you want to write. It goes like this. Sexual intimacy is reserved only for the marriage relationship. By the way, it should be in the marriage relationship. Now, that sounds strange, doesn't it? But you'll discover that Paul has to begin to speak about it because it isn't in many marriage relationships. It's non-existent. Paul says, that's wrong. What is wrong with you? So, Isn't it amazing that God speaks to every single aspect of our lives? Every single thing? And I know some of you, you've come from a church and maybe you go like, Pastor Mark, why would you talk about this stuff? Well, God's talking about it. Where are you going to read it? Pastor Mark, our kids don't need to hear this. By the way, you know who they should hear it from first? Parents. Absolutely. I don't know that parents. Well, I'm not sure. They know more than you know. Just teach them. Maybe they can teach you something. But teach them back to where? The biblical principle. Because they are not hearing this in school. Anywhere. Now, let's go back to verse 18. What do we do with this amazing sexual drive that God's given us that's for good within marriage? What do we do with it? Well, Paul tells us. The scripture tells us. Look at verse 18. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body. But he who sins sexually sins against his own body. So first Paul gives another correction. This was another slogan used by the Corinthians in the church and outside the church to justify their immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body. Paul says, no, that's not true. In fact, the opposite is true. Sexual sin is done against the body, not outside of it. See, they're trying again to say it's a physical act. There's nothing emotional. There's nothing spiritual to it. No, when the two become one, that's body, soul, and spirit. It is not just physical. It's emotional, big time. And it's spiritual. Because a marriage is a picture of the church. Now, so Paul simply says, that is wrong reasoning. Don't bring that thinking in from the world. Because that's what our thinking is now. 
if you watch many of the newer television programs, it's different than it was 40 years ago, but it's not that different. It's just more in our face. So we have, like, Affairs is the head of the new television program. Come have Affairs or what? And it, it's all highlighted. This is fantastic. This is great. Just enjoy it. Just a physical deal. What's the big deal? No, it isn't. That's always lies from Satan. And remember, when that happens, there's disaster because of it. And in the church, we experience it the same way. And who is the disaster about? Men and women, but also who? Our children. Disaster in the home. Now, so Paul says, what's the solution to this then? The solution, number one, is to run emotionally, spiritually, and physically from temptation. Paul would write to young Timothy. Timothy was a young man. And we know the younger you are, that 18 to 25-year-old, we know sexually the testosterone levels in men and women and all of those things are really vibrant during those young years. They decrease as we get older, but they're always there. So I think that screen went bye-bye. Let's take a look at this. It left, and I couldn't take it anymore. It just left. Paul says to Timothy, run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Now, why is he right youthful? Paul knew. He didn't know the testosterone deal. He didn't know the, all those things. But that was something that was really difficult in the young ages. A youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteousness, righteous living, faithfulness, love, peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. So there was a warning there. And... and, and Timothy's not the first one. Where would Paul get this from? Paul knew the Old Testament frontwards and backwards. Think about, it's a great Bible study, you don't have time to do it. Think about the difference between David, King David, and Joseph. You remember Joseph. He was a young man. The Bible says he was strong. He was in charge of everything. And you remember what happened with Joseph? Potiphar's wife made a little suggestion, like, come lay with me. A little suggestion? And then she kept coming back and finding Joseph when he was what? Alone. And pretty soon, what happened? He didn't stay around to debate it. He didn't talk with her. He didn't try to reason with her. Reason with her. What did he do? He ran. Sometimes, guys, there's no time to debate it. Just run. Just get away from it. And that's exactly what Joseph did. Now, if you look back on David... Just a few months ago, we were overlooking the city of David. And when David looked down, we could see the place where he was in that area, and he saw Bathsheba bathing. How many times do you think David, after that intercourse with Bathsheba, got a pregnant, kills her husband, how many times do you wish he would have run? Every single time. Be careful. Every one of us. Now, you say, well, Pastor Mark, you're just talking to us. No, I'm talking to every single one of us. If you've been a Christian a long time, you've had to run. I've had to run. It's always in front of us. It's always. And by the way, it's not just our, it's the enemy. He brings it. So understand, sometimes you say, well, run. I mean, he must have looked a little funny. Who cares? Just run. Now, number two, I can't just run. 
Number two, I have to rely on the Holy Spirit sometimes to say, no, I'm in a situation where I cannot do it. Now, that can be all kinds of things. But look at the scripture. No temptation has seized you tonight except what is common to man. This is where we come back and go, Pastor Mark, I'm never tempted with any of this. Liar. We're all tempted in lots of different ways. Sexuality is one of those things. Food is another one of those things. There's a million things. Pride is another one of those things. We're all tempted. But look at No temptation, except what is common to man. And God is, he's faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Amen. So you can say, well, God wasn't there. It was too great a temptation. No, he probably said to run, and you just wouldn't run. So we have to run. We cannot defeat sexual temptation in our own strength. We need to have the strength of the Holy Spirit. Now, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. So sometimes we have to exercise self-control. He can empower us to say no. You're on the internet. Something pops up. All the different things. We've talked about that before. It's always in front of us. So we have to learn. We can remain sexually pure before and after marriage. And last... Maybe the common sense thing that we talk about, all of us as pastors specifically, resist temptation by setting up moral fences in your life. Look at what Paul says. God's will is for you to be holy. So stay away from all sexual sin. Then each of you will control his own body. Remember, self-control, fruit of the Spirit, will control his own body and live in holiness her body, and holiness and honor, not in lustful passion like the pagans who do not know God in his way. So we have to make every effort to withdraw from situations that are tempting. What does that mean for us today? Safeguards on the cable, all kinds of things, TV, movies, computer, no R-rated movies, be careful what you watch, make sure you have somebody that can be an accountable person to you, make sure your spouse, if you're married, is that, if you're not married yet, have another guy, another gal, be that person. There's a lot of moral offenses I don't have time to go into. Let me just tell you a few things that we do here as pastors so you'll understand. I mean, there's hardly any period of time you can go that around our country you'll find that a pastor has fallen. And when a pastor falls, the church often goes through horrible things. The community makes fun. So what do we do as pastors? Now, one is um, no man, no pastor here counsels a woman alone. We just will never do that. So either my secretary or my wife or another uh, female staff person is going to be in, in the room if we're counseling. And usually men will not counsel, and other pastors here will counsel a woman more than once. We're just not going to get into that kind of thing. It's not because we don't trust them. We don't trust us. Because all kinds of things, we don't do that. You will never find any pastor here taking some staff member or another woman to lunch. Never. On their own. Never. You say, that's ridiculous. No, that's wise. He just won't do it. So if I have to go somewhere, my secretary has to go somewhere, we meet together at the place we're going. And I'll have somebody else there. If I have to go to a meeting, maybe something that get the iPhone fixed or whatever, we'll walk into the shop together. She takes her car back. I take my car back. You have to be wise about this and all your kind of things. Normally when I travel, I always try to take somebody else with me. If it's not my wife, I'll take another guy with me. Why? Because I don't want to be in the hotel room alone. I don't want to be in front of all that stuff. So there's all those things you have to do. Now, what if... You've already failed. Not long ago, I had somebody write me this. Pastor Mark, 
I wish I'd heard these instructions years before now. That's true in all of our places. You know, I thought about that. What about the woman at the well? You think she wished she'd have heard Jesus' solution before those five divorces <laughs> and the man she was living with? Well, God takes us where we're at. So if you've crossed the line and you're married, then we can help you. If you're not married and you've crossed the line, you've lost your virginity, you've done all these things, and now you go, wow, really? What can I do? Well, you can't change your past. The milk is spilled. You can't go back. You can't begin, but you can begin a new life of sexual purity. It's never too late to ask God for a first start, a brand new start. I love God, don't you? I mean, a new start. You read this. Look back in verse 11. You're right there, 1 Corinthians 6, 11. Let me read to you out of the New Living. It just mentioned all kinds of sexual sin and all kinds of sin. And then it says this. Some of you were once like that. Notice the next word, but you were cleansed, you were made holy, you were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. You were. It's past tense. That's not you anymore. So let me give you three things to do to the end. Number one, if that's you and there's something that's happened, number one, simply repent. Just say, God, I knew it or I didn't know it, and I'm sorry I did that. I'm sorry I had that relationship or let that situation get out of control, or whatever it is. Just repent. Ask God for his forgiveness. That's why Jesus died for us, for our sins. Number two, receive his forgiveness. He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. Now, the enemy will always bring that back to you. You think you're going to be a Christian? No. Forgetting those things that are behind, I press forward. I'm not going to condemn you. Remember what Jesus said to the woman? I don't, Jesus, where are the people that condemn you? There's nobody here again. He said, I don't condemn you. Just go sin tomorrow. Change your lifestyle. Don't get legalistic. Number three, be restored. Start following Jesus. It's the greatest lifestyle in all the world. That's why Jesus died. Don't ever feel condemned. Jesus did not come to condemn us. He came to save us. And he came to free us. Once you ask God to forgive you, Begin new. Virgin guy and virgin gal. Get your marriage back together if you need to. If you're not married, look for a godly spouse that's coming. God will take care of you. Just believe. Your sins are as far as the east is from the west. Father, in this room, there's lots of history. Many of us, before we even knew Christ, didn't have a clue. We thought, like the Corinthians did, it's just a physical deal. It's no big deal. And then one day we were presented the word. Maybe you're, this is the first time you've ever heard of it and you're thinking, well, that takes all the fun out of everything. No, it's exactly the opposite. It puts the fun back where it should be in the bedroom with a husband and a wife. Today, you found out through Pastor Mark's teaching that some of the problems the Corinthian church had was due to their misunderstanding of biblical teaching. They were also still being influenced by the thinking that they had before they became Christ followers. You learned that today's church has many of the same problems and for the very same reasons. 
There's so much to learn from Pastor Mark's current series, so be sure to join us again. In the meantime, we'd like to offer you a CD copy of today's message for your own archives or for you to share with friends and family. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on Order a Message at the top of the page. There you'll be asked for the mailing information and be sure to include today's date. Each CD costs $5 to cover materials and shipping. Again, to order your CD copy, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com. This winds up Pastor Mark's teaching on 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 12 through 20. Next time, he'll begin teaching from chapter 7. He'll be talking about God's design for marriage and the components of a successful Christian marriage. Pastor Mark will be talking about the spiritual warfare that occurs in all Christian marriages and how to win those spiritual battles. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. in a hurry.